early church leader James says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But turn on the TV, do a quick scan of the latest news, or look at the tendency of your own heart, and it is clear to see that we often act in the exact opposite way. Anger comes easily. We speak quickly and carelessly, and the patience to listen and understand is, at times, hard to find. But the challenge of our faith in Jesus remains. In a world where it seems everyone is tearing each other down, we are called to be builders of God's better world. Well, good morning to everybody here in the well. Good morning to everybody upstairs in the well cafe. It is good to be in worship with you again. It's been so long uh, since I've been able to join you uh, in worship. It seems like forever. It's been a few weeks. Uh, but one of the things I'm very thankful about is getting to serve at a church like this that is just uh, so wonderful, so amazing, so great, and, and full of uh, a great pastoral staff. Um, I know you've been blessed for the past couple weeks by them. Uh, Pastor Lauren, who shared with you a couple weeks ago uh, a wonderful message during our Legacy series, and then you got to hear last week uh, from Pastor Jim. I'm just so thankful for them, and I know you were blessed uh, by them as, as I was as well. So big thanks to them. Uh, if we haven't met before, maybe you were new over the past couple weeks and you're wondering who this uh, strange guy on stage is, uh, my name is Johnny and I serve as one of your pastors here at First Methodist Mansfield and I get to serve as the lead pastor for the Well and the Well Cafe, which is an absolute joy of mine and I'm, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad you're here as well. If this is your first time with us, maybe first time in a long time, uh, would love to meet you immediately following the service right outside these doors. If you brought your Bible with you today, I uh, hope you did, uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. Now, Colossians can be kind of tricky to find if you're new to the Bible, or it's kind of tricky even if you're not new to the Bible. Uh, it's in the New Testament. Uh, it's kind of near the end, and it's one of those small books in the middle of a bunch of other small books, so it can be really easy to keep flipping back and forth and, and missing it. But uh, you'll have plenty of time to find it. You can use your table of contents. Ain't nobody going to judge you here. It's good. Uh, love for you to do that. Uh, and find that. If you do not have a Bible with you today, uh, we have blue Bibles provided in each of our um, spaces here. If you're using that blue Bible, you can find Colossians 3 on page 1832. I believe 1832 is the right one. Yep, 1832. So uh, today we're beginning a brand new series, as you saw in the video, called Be a Builder. Now that you've seen the video, you've heard a little bit of the idea uh, behind the series, you might be thinking to yourself, this seems suspiciously coincidental that we might be talking about uh, this, this idea, uh, in a time such as this. Uh, you hear the theme, uh, you kind of understand the heart and the idea behind the message and, and the entire series, uh, and you feel the tension that we raised in the video, and you begin to wonder, is it any coincidence that we're talking about this right now uh, in the season that we're in in our world? And, and what's going on all around us? Well, let me spoil it for you. It's not a coincidence. Uh, you might feel tempted to think that uh, with uh, any of the sermons and messages. Uh, and if you do, just know it's very intentional. Uh, things are very, uh, very seldom a coincidence. Uh, we see these seasons coming, uh, and we want to address kind of what's going on in our hearts and what's going on in our world. Uh, if you've been living in a hole for the past 18 months, you know that we are in a political season because we are in an election year. 
and it really starts uh, long before this year begins, but it's been going on, and it seems to be ramping up, and it might seem to get worse over the next couple months on our way to November. If you're uh, plugged in at all to any of the news cycles or, or social media, uh, you, might, you might recognize that uh, a lot of the dialogue uh, surrounding uh, the debates uh, between who will lead our nation uh, can get a little contentious, uh, ugly, uh, a little destructive, and disrespectful. Now, I don't want you to hear that as, as my condemnation or affirmation of any one particular side or particular voice uh, in those debates. That, that's not what I'm trying to do here. It's merely a recognition of what's going on around us. And when we enter political seasons, that dialogue tends to get heightened. But this is nothing new. A, it's nothing new to our politics. Every political season, every election year, it, it, it becomes this way. People slinging mud on each other, trying to tear each other down so that they look like the better person. Uh, but this isn't new to just politics. This isn't new to or uh, um, unique to just politics. This is something that we all deal with. And if I were to place this just on something else, if I were to look out and say, here's where we see an example of this, and isn't that just a shame, that would be me missing the the point of this entire series. That would be me missing everything that we really should be getting at. Because the purpose of this series and the purpose of each message within this series is not to diagnose somebody else's problem. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and address a temptation Uh, that I have felt many times sitting in pews and chairs in church, and I want to address it with you just because I know it's going to come up, and I just want you to know this series is not about diagnosing somebody else's problems. So if, through the course of this series, you hear something and you think, hmm, I know exactly who needs to hear this. (laughs) Or you you hear the pastor say something, and then you, you feel your elbow really wanting to just enter the next seat, whoever's sitting right there, just nudge them a little bit, make sure that they're listening to exactly what is being said right now. If you hear a message, you hear something in the message, and you go, you know what, this is just going to bless this person if I send it to them and say, you should really listen to this. I heard, this, I heard our pastor say this, and it just blessed me, and I want it to bless your heart as well. <laughs> You're going to feel that temptation probably throughout this, and what I, what I want to encourage you to do is really to fight that temptation Because this series, what I want us to do is really uh, look at these words and and really examine ourselves and how we might be challenged by these words that we hear from James uh, in in the bumper video and and the scriptures that we're going to read throughout this series. Because this is something that we all wrestle with. And if we, instead of wrestling with it ourselves, instead of challenging ourselves with Scripture, instead seek to challenge others, we're going to completely miss the point, and we're going to completely miss the way the Spirit is going to move and transform us in our hearts. And it's not, this whole series is not, the the, the political stuff is really just the backdrop. It's just a way of entering into the discussion, because again, it's not unique to our politics. This is us as humans. As humans, when we find ourselves in these places of of conflict and in disagreement, this is something that we often, throughout our history, resort to. We resort to destructive language and actions toward each other in order to tear the other person down so that we might look and feel better. So you heard in the video, it's the New Testament writer James that encourages us to do this, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This is a very familiar message to anybody who's been in and around church for a little while. 
uh, a piece of scripture that I think we would all readily agree with and think that would be good if I could just live that way that would be good but we would at the same time I think acknowledge that we are often too quick to speak we are a people who are too quick to grow angry with one another and if we're slow to do anything at all we are slow to really carefully listen to each other we are too slow to hear one another carefully and and to really understand each other rather than just desire to be understood ourselves. And I get it. I totally get it. This is as much me as it is anybody. When I say these words should be challenging for each one of us individually, these words are absolutely challenging for me because that's not natural for me to do. That's not natural for us as humans. Our first instinct is not to be slow to think and and, 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 slow to react and, and slow to speak. Uh, and, and quick to think and, and try to put ourselves in the other person's shoes and understand them. That's not our natural reaction. Our natural reaction, our human instinct, is to see things from our own context and then react to that person with suspicion <laughs> as to why they did what they did. Let me give you a, a, a brief example. If you drive, if you're a driver in the room, and, and you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, I know that your first instinct is to say, oh, you know what, I bet they didn't see me. You know what, I bet those people are probably from out of town, and they don't know how we drive around here. Uh, and so just, you know, I hope, I hope that they're okay. I hope they get where they need to go. No! Our reaction is not to think the best of what that situation was. Our, our, our reaction is not to give them the benefit of the doubt. Our first reaction is to be, that jerk, how dare they? They don't respect me. They don't respect life, apparently, driving so recklessly and dangerously on the road. Our gut reaction is to think the worst, to expect the worst out of people, to not give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, when people are cutting other people off the road, it's probably most likely that they are being jerks. But (laughs) (laughs) But this series, Be a Builder, is really about that recognition of that tendency within us to do that, a tendency within us to tear each other down, to use our words for combat rather than for healing. And for helping, we use them for hurting. And it's not just about the words, because our words really testify to something that's really deeper going on within us. And that's really what we hope to address, not the symptoms on the outside, but really the seed, what's going on in our hearts. We tear others down when we want to win arguments, when we disagree with each other. We don't know how to disagree well anymore, is what it seems like to me. We haven't learned how to listen to each other and think critically about what what each other's saying or give anybody the benefit of the doubt that what they think or what they feel is not an attempt to just ruin everything that we think and feel. We've forgotten how to dialogue with one another and instead we resort to words and actions that seek not to understand each other but rather to destroy one another. And that is very destructive. Sometimes it's not quite as intentional as that. Sometimes it's just because we're tired we're tired nowadays, and, and, and being patient and being kind and being thoughtful and understanding takes effort, and it takes energy, and we're weary. You wake up, and maybe you go to work, or you spend all day at home uh, with the kids, or uh, maybe you're a teacher, and you're out teaching, and 
man, you have just pumped yourself up and you use every ounce of kindness and patience uh, that you have, every bit of gentleness that you could muster, you have used up. And when you get home or when, uh, when your spouse comes home, when your family is reunited and the people that need you the most, that need your gentleness and they need your kindness and they need your compassion the most, can't have it because you got none left. And you want to give it. You want it so bad, but you just don't have it. You're not prepared. Instead, we're short and we're sharp and we're cold to those that deserve our love and our kindness the most. Sometimes we hurt others with our words and with our actions because we ourselves are hurt. We have been hurt. We have been wronged by somebody. And we feel like now we are owed a debt. And the best way to repay that debt is by hurting them back with interest. That's how debts work, right? It's not just what, what was borrowed, what was taken. Now I have to give it back to you and then some. I need you to feel what you made me feel. We hurt others because we ourselves might be hurt. And sometimes we unleash that on those that had nothing to do with our hurt in the first place. We carry it around and we're not sure how to resolve it or how to deal with it. And it, it overflows, it spills out onto those we love the most. This happens in our jobs, it happens in our homes, to our spouses, to our, our, our children, to our parents, our neighbors, and complete strangers. We have a propensity for this, whether it's because we're angry or tired or we disagree or, or we're hurt or whatever, we become destructive. And it's often, like I mentioned before, it's often because we assume the best of ourselves but the worst in others. We assume the best of ourselves and the worst of others. We, we have this propensity to believe uh, ourselves and our intentions to be the best, but suspect the worst of intentions in other people and those that we don't know. To give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, but to judge very quickly others. To suspect, uh, to be suspicious of others. To judge them. And maybe even to expect too much of others while we expect too little of ourselves. This doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. This is all of us. Every person sitting next to you in this room and the person standing up here, this is all of us. This is our natural human instinct. It's not unique to just you. We all do this inherently. It's part of the flaw of being human. Part of our evolutionary nature is that we suspect things that are different from us. But that doesn't mean that's what we settle for. Even if somebody has wronged you and by every letter of our human cultural law says that you should be able to harm them back or uh, get them back for whatever they did to you, we live by a different letter of law. If you're here and you identify yourself as a Christian, as you're somebody who has made Jesus the center of your life, you have been called to something higher than that. You have been called to be a builder. So listen to these words from Paul in, the, in, in Ephesians uh, this isn't our main scripture for today, but this is another one. You've probably heard it before. I, I love this scripture, and so I use it a lot. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. It's Ephesians four twenty-nine. if you missed that. That's helpful for building others up, and that's what this entire series is about. Building. It's about our call from Christ to be builders. 
I think everybody understands a little bit what that word call means, even if you're new to church. It can be kind of a churchy word that we throw around. Call is a responsibility, but it's something a little more significant than that. We feel a call in our life in many different ways. Sometimes it's to our profession. Sometimes it's uh, to parenthood. But you understand this feeling of calling is not something that you're just interested in, but something that exists beyond you. Something that is more significant than just you. That's what a calling is. And we've been called by Christ to be builders. To recognize our tendencies that we share as frail and fragile, sinful people. And strive to rise above that. To do more. To live a life modeled after Jesus. To expect more of ourselves because of Jesus. Because we've placed him at the center of our lives. Because we have chosen to emulate him with our lives. And because we have chosen to represent Christ with our lives to the world. So over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to look at all of this in a lot more depth. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about what it means to share our faith and how we belong to one another. We have a a tendency in the church as as people of faith to think of our faith as individualized, as Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And so our faith becomes compartmentalized to just us. And yet, I think that is one of the greatest detriments to the church. The church is actually a collective of people, a a faith that is shared, lives that are shared together. So building that kingdom and building that faith community is so important. Uh, in this series. We're going to talk about that next week. The following week, we're going to talk about how God works through our commitment to build. When we're called and we are faithful to that calling, how God works through us in ways we could have never imagined. Very excited about that one. And then finally, in our last week, we're going to talk about how God can work through us to build even through conflict. When we experience conflict in our lives, whether it's in our marriages, uh, with our children, with our parents, at work, with friends, with strangers, when we experience conflict, when we experience brokenness in our relationships, how God might work through us to be builders even in the midst of that. Very excited about that one as well. So for this week, I want to wrap this whole thing up by sharing a couple things with you. First, I want to share with you one of my favorite pieces of Scripture, one very near and dear to my heart. I want to share that with you. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what it means and what it takes to be a builder. And then lastly, I want to uh, give us a couple helpful practices. Hopefully that will be helpful for us uh, as we either recommit ourselves uh, to be builders, to enhance the building that we've already been doing in our life, or for those of you that might just be getting started uh, with this idea of being a builder, that will help you get started as well. So, Hear these words from Paul in his letter to the Colossians, chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12, and we're going to end in verse 14. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. One of the great joys um, of my ministry and being a pastor is to participate in the holy covenant of marriage. To stand with couples as they um, say their vows to one another, as they express their love for one another in, in front of friends and family and in front of front of God, their, their commitment to mature together in love. Just such a great honor and a great joy. I get to do that 
uh, for many people. And in many cases, I've done that standing right here uh, with the two couples there. And one of the things I love about that is it, it's an opportunity for me to reflect on my own marriage and my own wedding day. Uh, my beautiful wife, Holly, who sings uh, upstairs in the Well Cafe, and to think about that day and just how beautiful she looked and to have our friends and family uh, gathered together and uh, to everything just be perfect. You know, we've spent so much time and money on, uh, <laughs> on that day to look just like it did, but because it deserved it, because we were marking something special. We were, we were marking a moment where we were committing to ourselves, to each other, uh, to live and grow together and to mature in love and to be perfected in love uh, together. Uh, I, I just love that. I love thinking about those days and thinking about all the things that I thought and things that I expected uh, marriage to be, standing in that spot and having gone through pre-marriage counseling and all that stuff. And then now to look uh, back on that and to think, oh, how, how different things are. That love is definitely there, but it is so much more. It's so much deeper. It's so much more rewarding and it's so much harder it's so much rewarding because it is harder than I ever could have imagined it being. I've done weddings for many people of all ages, and, and, and there is something generally different about younger couples getting married for the first time, standing up here, uh, exchanging their vows. There's, a, there's an innocence. There's a naivete. It's very sweet. Uh, many of you in this room, many people upstairs are, might be journeying toward that very soon uh, in your life. And you are so in love right now, and that day is going to be so perfect, and you might have already had these discussions about what life is going to be like when you're married, and, and you have all these hopes and dreams, and, and, and those are so amazing. But so many people along the way told me, told Holly, and I'm sure told everyone here who, uh, who's uh, been married that marriage is hard. Marriage can be very hard. Marriage can be difficult. Marriage can be trying. And when you hear that, you think, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. I'm sure it's going to be hard, and there are going to be things that we don't see, and yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. But until you experience it, until you experience it, you don't really know what it's like to share life so intimately with somebody, to be so vulnerable with them, how deep that love can really go, but also how deep that hurt can be if that love is betrayed or expectations go unmet, or the hurt that's magnified because of the closeness that you share together. You can't really fully know that until you've actually experienced it. And so one of the things I talk about, one of the things I, I, I love for, to, to, to work through is a small part of the, uh, the counseling that we do and I do for couples before they get married is that to know that your marriage uh, will, will hit some of those passages. You will undoubtedly experience times in your marriage when you don't quite feel in love with each other. And certainly there are peaks and there are valleys. You will be in love now and there will be times where you'll be in great love later too. And, but there are going to be moments in your life, maybe days, it could be seasons, where love is harder than it was or than it is right now when you're standing at the altar and dressed uh, as, as pretty as you are. You might not feel in love with you. You're, the patience that you hope to have with one another is going to be tested. The kindness that you want to share might be the furthest thing from your mind, uh, that you might be tempted to hold grudges, to store up stones, right? Uh, that way when you do get in a fight later, you have all the ammunition you need, right, to win that fight, to tear the other person down. 
So that at least if you have to lose, at least you're both going to lose, right? And this is the truth. This is just the truth of, of marriage, and, and we hope, and certainly we hope, and, and, we, and, and we, we pray for uh, most days to be the best, but we certainly know that it is uh, a reality, that we do face those things. And so when we do, if our marriages are built on more than a feeling of love, then we are prepared to weather those storms. We're prepared to stay committed to one another. We are prepared to help each other and to grow even in the midst of trial and conflict. But it's about choosing love. When you don't necessarily feel in love with one another, that you choose to love the other person. And it's making those choices day in and day out that you will build a foundation for your marriage that will be strong enough to weather the storms, but will also shine the light of God for everybody to see. Now, when Paul writes these words about love, Paul isn't writing just for people that are getting married. Paul writes a lot about love, and we use a lot of those scriptures in in weddings. What Paul is really trying to address here is how people of faith, how you and I treat one another, how, how we care for one another, how we are kind and patient and gentle to one another, how we don't hold grudges with each other, how we are committing to love one another even when it's hard to do so, how we are going to love each other even when we don't necessarily feel love for that other person. Maybe when they deserve something different than kindness or something different than patience, yet we find it within ourselves because of Christ to share love with the others. This is a scripture uh, that I read in weddings all the time. I'm going to read it for you again here. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds all of them together in perfect harmony. What I share in the context of the wedding, and I think it's important for all of us here, relevant to all of us, is I love this metaphor that Paul uses to clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with kindness and compassion and humility and gentleness and patience. Above all of those things, clothe yourselves with love. Every day when you get up, you choose the clothes that you are going to wear based on what's going on that day, right? You wake up and you think, okay, what do I have to do today? Do I have to go to work? Uh, do I, am I just going to the store? Am I going to mow the lawn? What, what does today hold? What is needed from me today? How am I going to interact with my world today? And then when you look at your closet or, or, the, uh, or the drawers, you look at and you pick out the clothes that are appropriate for what is needed from you in the day. For example, if you're waking up and it's a Saturday and that's lawn mowing day, right? You get up and you're going to mow the lawn. You don't put on the same clothes that you would put on for a job interview, Right? You don't put on a suit and tie. You don't put on a dress. You don't, you don't put on any of that to go out and mow the lawn unless you'd like to keep it super classy when you're out there mowing. I don't know. But you don't put it on. It's not appropriate for what you got going on today. Likewise, you wouldn't put on your yard working clothes to go to a job interview with grass stains and like oil all over it. You, you would take a shower and you would dress up nice and neat. You would want to look professional. If you're going to spend all day, if this is your day off and you're like, you know what? I ain't doing nothing today. I'm going to binge watch Netflix. I'm going to get ice cream right out of the tub. I'm going to look off. I don't care. I'm going to relax. You dress appropriately, right? You put on your favorite shirt that you don't mind dropping ice cream on. It's whatever. Like, 
you just kind of put your hair up and you sit there like this is what I'm going to wear a groove into this couch today. That's my goal. Right? Like we, we dress appropriately for the day. And when we wake up every day, we choose carefully how we will dress ourselves so that we can appropriately interact with that day. And if we're talking about our spirit, if we're talking about what's needed from us as Christians, as people of faith each and every day, that to walk into the world with patience, with kindness, even when people don't deserve it, we are intentionally clothing ourselves with those things. When we wake up, we are intentionally putting on love. We are putting on patience and kindness and compassion. And we're intentional about, I love this is the way Paul, when Paul says, put on, clothe yourselves with it. This is an action. Because when you have to mention about, when you have to mention doing something intentionally, it means that it wouldn't occur naturally. You get that? Like, if you have to be intentional about doing something, it's because it wouldn't just occur naturally. We wouldn't just walk out into the world and just totally not be prepared uh, and, and, and be ready to be patient even when uh, I don't feel patient and be kind when I don't feel kind or uh, be compassionate towards somebody I don't feel like I want to be compassionate toward. We have to be intentional as people of faith, putting on, clothing ourselves with those things. And it's in choosing to clothe ourselves with love each and every day that we focus our day and commit ourselves to living that love that God has called us to be and participating with God by being a builder, not only in the lives that are closest to us, but in lives that we come in contact with all around. I'm going to close with this. I want to offer uh, two challenges for us that I think uh, have the potential to, to redirect us back towards this idea of being a builder. Behaviors that, that help us uh, clothe ourselves in love so we can be builders in this, uh, in this broken world. Uh, and the two things are this. If, if we're going to keep with this metaphor of clothing, right? If we're going to put on our builder's clothes, right? These spiritual clothes. We're going to clothe ourselves with love. If we're going to fit into those clothes, we've got to do two things. And the first thing is this. We've got to change our diet. If we're going to fit into those clothes, those spiritual clothes, we have to change our diet. And that's going to require two things in changing our diet. First, you've got to cut the junk and you've got to add the truth. That's two things in our diet that we've got to do. We've got to cut the junk and add the truth. Now, this has nothing to do, as you might guess, with our actual stomachs and the food that actually goes into our mouth, literal food in our physical bodies. We're really talking about the spirit because it does have everything to do with what, how we currently feed our hearts and how we feed our minds. This couldn't be more relevant than, than it is today. Some of us, we consistently fill our hearts and minds with garbage. And then we're surprised that that's what comes out of us. We fill our hearts and minds with outrage all the time. I can't believe this thing, or you'll never believe this. And we constantly fill ourselves with outrage, and we're surprised that we live in a constant state of anger and outrage all the time. We fill our, our hearts and our minds with fear, and we're surprised that we're afraid and that we speak in fear. We, sur we surround ourselves with, with hate or, or, or with sadness, and, and we're surprised that that's all that comes out of us. Now, now, hear me carefully. There is definitely a time for outrage. There's definitely a time for holy anger. There is definitely a time and place for grieving and sadness it's a natural human inclination to, to be fearful of certain things, but it's unproductive to stay those ways. 
It's not productive to stay angry. That's when we start losing the heart of God, to stay in fear, uh, to, to stay in grief. When we stay in those places, we are not moving past them. We're not using those feelings and those understandings uh, to produce transformation that God desires for us. So, Jesus said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That means what we consume is important because what comes out of us is really a reflection of what's inside of us. So we need to change our diet. We are struggling with being a builder. If we're struggling with this concept, we might need to change our diet. There might be a TV station, a channel, a radio station, a website that you might simply need to just cut from your life. Because all it does is fill you with those things that keep you from being a builder. And you might know exactly what those things are. There might be a relationship in your life that is slowly growing more and more toxic. And you need to limit your exposure to that. If you're on Facebook, here's this really great feature. It's called unfollowing people. It's not quite as cruel as unfriending people, right? Like, uh, you can still be friends with them because every now and again you want to check in and see how their family's doing and see their, uh, their, the pictures of their kids, and, and you want them to be able to do the same. You want to keep in touch if you can, but, man, they don't understand how much they post stuff that is just poisonous. And you find it, it comes across, and either you find yourself always clicking it and then, like, getting enraged again, or maybe it's just the seeing that negativity constantly on your feed Man, there's this great feature where you can just unfollow them. They'll never know you did it. It's amazing. (laughs) And then it's gone, right? They're still there. They're still your friend. But you don't have to see it ever again. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Or the issue might not be that. The issue might not be that you don't have enough truth in your life. Are you filling with yourself with the things that are true and holy and noble? Are you you, uh, consuming things that are excellent and praiseworthy as the scriptures tell us. If you feel like there's maybe a truth deficiency in your diet, you need that, that truth vitamin in your life. I, I, I would suggest a great starting place is the First 15. That's a daily devotional that our, our, um, our church produces. It's a resource that is written by our pastors here uh, that includes a piece of scripture, a, a reflection, and a prayer. And Man, if you're looking for a way to get started or a, a way to enhance your your daily uh, scripture reading to wash that, to, to get your daily dose of truth and, uh, and spirit, I, I highly suggest that. I couldn't recommend that more. If you're looking for it, uh, the website's dailyfirst15.org. You can read them all there. You can also subscribe very easily there. They'll come to your email. And if you, if you don't own a Bible, if you're here and maybe you're new to faith or you're not sure about this faith thing yet, but you don't own a Bible and you would like one, we desperately desire for you to have one. Uh, So there's obviously apps for your phone that you can get, but we also have Bibles here that we would love to give you free of charge, free of strings, no strings attached. Uh, We would just, we, we, we want everybody, we believe everybody should have a Bible. So you can go to our connecting point out there. We'll make sure uh, that you get one when you leave. So not only cutting the junk, but also making sure there's a, there's a healthy dose of truth in our lives daily. The second thing is this, any diet that you would do, any physical diet you would require you to count your calories. So we got to count calories, but we're really going to count blessings. Instead of counting calories, we're counting our blessings in our life. This is another way to put into practice this teaching of Paul, to reorient ourselves toward thankfulness, toward the grace that is, surrounds us in our life. When we are thankful, when we count our blessings, when we recognize the many ways that we're blessed, not just in our life, but in the lives that surround us, the way that God is working and, and the things that we share in our life with Christ, we re- reorient ourselves 
towards thankful. We look for the things that are noble and right and pure in our life. We turn towards the good, and we embrace that which speaks to the grace of God in our lives. So, being a builder, this is the last thing I'll say about this, being a builder isn't just about respecting others and honoring others. This really is, really probably the most important part um, is about what, what we do for others and the way we treat others, but that's not the only thing. There's something more that goes on as well. There's something that happens to each and every one of us. When we learn how to be a builder and we learn to practice these things, we, we also protect our own hearts. It gives space for our souls and for our hearts and our minds to refine the thoughts that we have before we just spew them out, to really understand what we're thinking. It gives us space to, uh, for our emotions to cool down and not to cloud uh, our thoughts. But most importantly, it gives room for the Spirit of God to work in each and every one of us. And when we do that, we can become participants in building God's better world, not just ourselves, but everything that surrounds us. That's my prayer for us today. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence here with us. We pray, God, that your grace floods our hearts, and may that grace lead us forward, God, to share with the world being a builder, God, instead of tearing others down. Because we know that's how you work, God. The gap that exists between us as humans, between our souls, between our hearts, you have filled with your grace. May we embody that and represent you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.